Hey friends, welcome to the Collide Midweek Podcast. These episodes are recorded every Wednesday night at our midweek gathering for those of you who may have missed it or just want to hear it again. We hope that the following episode encourages you to know, grow, and go in your faith. Hey, let's go ahead and get settled in. If you guys have your phones, go ahead and power them off or put them on silent. Um, I want us to start with prayer. I know that Rachel just prayed and Stephen just prayed. Um, One of our leaders that uh, has been with me basically since we started, Alicia Keller, she's back in the hospital and we just need to pray for her. uh, She's had some health challenges the last few years and um, she's just not well. And she's about a mile from here in the hospital. And I want her to feel the prayers of her church. And she loves Clyde. A lot of you guys remember Miss Alicia came and did one of our stations at our prayer night back before Christmas. And she loves you. And she loves Jesus. And she's not well. So let's pray for her. Father, what a beautiful thing that we can come to you in prayer. And we open our mouth and we say, Father or Lord or friend, or maybe we don't even know what to say, but when we open our mouth and we bow our head and we say, I want to pray, I want to talk to my creator, that you hear us. That's the most amazing thing to me. And Father, our dear friend Alicia is not well. She's sick about a mile from here and you know everything that's going on in her life and we know you love her and she's such a faithful servant of yours and she's in a hospital bed and waiting to find out test results and waiting to hear from a doctor and she would much rather be here or be taking care of her grandson Zeke or be leading her lady small group or praying for Collide. And she's, she finds herself in a hospital bed. And, um, that doesn't surprise you because you are God and you are sovereign and you are in control. And we just pray that she feels the prayers and love from her church family in her Collide family. Father, before we open up your word, we just want to pause and just thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for each teenager in this room as I look out that these are your children. But man, I feel like they're mine. I just feel like they're a part of me because they are. And I just want them to know you and to love you. And even if they don't have it all figured out, I pray that they just open up their hearts and their minds tonight just to hear from you, to maybe lean into your love a little bit, lean into your word and say, what do I believe? Do I believe this is God's word? Do I believe that Jesus was the son of God who came to die for me? And it's okay to wrestle with doubts and it's okay to not have everything figured out. What a beautiful place to come to. I pray that every student in here knows that this is a safe place to just ask questions, to lean in, to maybe not say anything or just... Maybe to take their next step in their faith tonight to say, I believe you. And I want to do everything in my power to align my life with your love and with your word and with the person and finished work of Jesus Christ. God, I love my students. I love these leaders. I love this church. I love you. You saved a runaway, a prodigal named Kevin years ago when I was at my lowest I pray every student in here knows that no matter where they are, is you're the God who chases after the one. You chased after me, and your relentless love has been chasing me down all my days. And until I get to see you face to face, all I want to do is tell every person on the planet about your love. 
Father, would you speak to each individual heart tonight like only you can? Father, would you eliminate me from the equation? Take me out of it. They're not here to hear from me tonight. I'm a sinful man, and when I talk, it's just advice. But when we speak in the power of the Holy Spirit and we read your word aloud, it changes lives forever. So, Father, speak. Living God, speak tonight like only you can. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. One of the most popular questions that I get, probably on a weekly or monthly basis in a church our size, is what does the word collide mean? I get that a lot. I get that from people inside the church. I get that when we go on conferences. I'm sure I'll get that this weekend. 34 of us are going on our winter retreat, leaving Friday afternoon to go to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And when we wear our collide gear up in Tennessee, they're going to ask me, they're going to ask our students and our leaders, what does collide mean? And here's what I always tell people. I didn't name it, God did, but collide was collide before KB became your high school pastor. But here's what I always tell everybody is here's what collide means is I pray that each teenager that walks through these doors has a collision with Jesus Christ and they're never the same. That's our prayer for you, is that you would come in here every single week, every single Wednesday night, or through your small groups, or through our mission trips, or camps, or whatever it is, that you would experience Jesus in a real, practical, powerful way, but that you would collide with him. What happens in a collision? You, you what? That, whoever you collide with, you and that thing are never the same. Some of you guys have maybe been on the other side of a little fender bender and a collision in your car. It's just what? It's not good. Something happens to you. Something happens to the other car. Well, what happens? Things are changed. And in your life, guys, we all need a collision with Jesus. And here's what he wants you to do. He wants you to collide with his love. He wants you to collide with his grace. He wants you to collide with his forgiveness. He wants you to collide with the radical truth, just like we celebrated a few weeks ago. That a, that a baby really came and he came for you and he didn't stay a baby. He grew up to be a man who died willingly on a cross for you and for me. Why? Remember we talked about this a little bit last week. Is we talk around Christmas that Jesus is the reason for the season? And he is, isn't he? But if you really strip it down, who's the reason for the season? I am. You are. If KB wasn't broken and sinful, Jesus wouldn't have had to have come. But he did. And if he did, that's a question that you and I must wrestle with. And if it's true, we must lay down everything and stake our life on it and chase him with reckless abandon and with love and with grace. I pray you collide with Jesus and you're never the same. Questions clarify things. You had probably never heard of that before until I mentioned that tonight. What does collide mean? We're going to encounter a question in Mark chapter 4 tonight that changed the disciples 2,000 years ago, and it's going to change you tonight. It's changed me all week as I've been studying. And in this new series that we've started, Miracles, right after Christmas, the miracle of the incarnation should point you to, who is this man? What happened? Who is he? Did he stay a baby? What, what did he do once he grew up? Did he, was, he, was he a teenager? Did he, did, he, did he struggle with things? Was he real? Was he really human? And we're going to wrestle with all those questions tonight. But when you look in this series, like last week in Miracles chapter 1, or in week 1, in Mark chapter 2, do you guys remember that? If you weren't here, man, I pray you go back and listen on our um, Spotify playlist. Every Wednesday night after I preach, after we clean up everything, I come in here at about 9, 15, 9, 30, 
and I kneel right down there. No one in here, just me. And here's what I pray. God, I pray that if I spoke anything that did not point the students to you, that you would please forgive me and you would teach me and you would correct me. I pray that the students and leaders stay safe on their way home, but I pray they took the message of tonight, they internalize it, and they're changed forever. And I was praying right here and I turned around and I found this outline in the back. And I don't know who filled this out, but man, I love you. I don't know who you are. You've got better handwriting than I do. This is the most intense piece of notes. It's almost like this person hung on every word, and that's humbling to me because it's not me. It's the very words of God. And you're not hearing from a man. You're hearing from a sinful man who's been redeemed and changed. And all of this, I believe it. And whoever filled this out, I love you. This is amazing. I've kept this in my Bible all week to remind me that you listen to remind me of the power of God's word and to remind me of what is that we just don't give these out just to, for you guys to take notes on and scribble. There's some cool little pictures on here too. But that you would take this and maybe go home and read it again and study it. So if this is yours, come see me afterwards. Man, this made me smile all week long because this is like, this is a teenager who's had a collision with Jesus and they're never the same. Mark chapter four tonight is one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture. We're going to look at another miracle. It's just amazing. What is a miracle? A miracle is what? Something that you and I can't do. A miracle comes from God. Do you believe in miracles? I do. Do you believe in the incarnation? I do. Do you believe in the virgin birth? I do. Do you believe that Jesus really died a horrible death on a crucifixion on a cross and that three days later he rose again and he's alive today and he's coming back to get you? When you do, it fills your heart with so much hope is when you look in this story tonight of Mark chapter 4, guys, you're going to see some amazing things, but it's going to end with a question of all questions, and the disciples asked it, and we must ask it tonight. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Let that sink in for a minute. It's, you just read that in your Bible, that Jesus was tired. That Jesus, somebody got him a cushion in the back of this wooden boat. These guys are fishermen, so they would have known this terrain. Jesus is tired. He's sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. That should just make you smile. That the God of the universe became flesh, and he got tired, and he took a nap. The disciples woke him, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. And here's the question that they had to answer and that you and I must answer tonight. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Guys, this is amazing. You remember last week in Mark chapter 2? Do you remember the miracle? 
This man's been paralyzed his whole life. He's a paraplegic. And these guys, these four friends, hear that Jesus is in town and he's over at maybe Peter's house. Some people think it was Peter's house. And he's teaching. And the room is so full that they can't get in. And can you imagine the guy on the mat? They pick him up. They take him to this house. And when he sees it so full, I don't know. I lean into the text maybe a little bit. And the guy goes, you know, today's not the day, guys. Jesus seems pretty busy, and these guys just say, no, whatever it takes to get you to Jesus, we're going. They climb up on somebody else's roof. They dig through this roof. All this stuff's falling down on the people inside, and they lower this guy who's been paralyzed his life right down in front of Jesus. And can you see it? Do you remember it? Mark chapter 2. Jesus saw their faith. He sees the guy coming down on the mat through the roof, and he what? Remember, Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Do you want to please God in your life? I know you do. That's why you were made. You are the what? You are the radiance of the glory of God. He made you on purpose and for a purpose to put him on display. He sees the faith of these four men. And what does he say first? Your sins are forgiven, young man. He doesn't say, your legs are now healed. Pick up your mat and walk. He says, your sins are forgiven first miracle. Only one can forgive sin, and that's God himself. So they think, the the Pharisees think, that Jesus is blaspheming God. And he says, all right, well, just to show you that I am God, pick up your mat and walk. And what does he do? He picks up his mat, and he walks, excuse me, he jumps, and he walks, and he leaps, and he runs out of that place. And it says, everyone was amazed and astonished. Do you remember the miracle last week? Do you remember what we talked about? Risky faith. Do you have risky faith? Are you bringing your friends? Guys, you have people around you all week long that are spiritually dead. And you what? You get to pick them up on a mat and bring them to Jesus and just say, Jesus, you do what only you can do. That's a great friend. I want to be a friend like that. Somebody picked KB up on a mat when I was broken and sinful in my early 20s and they brought me to Jesus. And the book of Ephesians and the gospel of John changed my life forever. Somebody led me to the feet of Jesus and what's the miracle? Ask my wife. She knew me before. The miracle is a changed life. He was dead and now he's alive and I've never been more alive. Yeah, I'm getting old. Deal with it, okay? But I'm still fired up and I love Jesus and I love God's word and I love you. And I want you to know that what just happened in the scriptures really did just happen. And you have to read that with faith and go, all right, now there's some questions from the text that I need to ask myself. Because you remember in Mark chapter 2, they're in this little town. So now if you read on a little bit more, Jesus has had a long day of ministry. He's been just loving on the crowds and the multitudes. And then he says what? As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. I'm going to give you guys some little minor points. They're not on your outline, but I left the back blank. Thank you. When you guys see a blank page on the back of the sermon outline, that should give you hope that you're going to get to dinner tonight. Okay? Does that give you hope? That's two weeks in a row that you had no back on on your sermon outline. Someone should say, thank you, KV. Okay. You can get to dinner on time. Maybe if I get done and get you to small group. All right? Here's some things when you read this text tonight. Just scribble these on the side of your outline or on the back. Here's the first one. Is that God is working in and through the circumstances in our lives. God is working in and through the circumstances in our lives. Remember, 
Jesus says to the disciples, let's cross to the other side. Let's means whom? All of them and Jesus together. And then what happens? If you study this, I can't wait to get there. I've told Tracy, I've got to get to Israel. I've got to get to where Jesus walked. I've got to get over there, right, before KB gets too old. I've got to get over there. But what they say, when you go to the Sea of Galilee, it sits hundreds of feet below sea level, and it sits down in these, like, it's in this valley, so there's these mountains. And what happens is, is like the cool air from the mountains comes down into this little Sea of Galilee where it's below sea level, and that warm air and all that stuff from being under the sea level just collides and just they have these incredible storms where they can just blow up out of nowhere. So Jesus purposely sends them out in the boat where? He's God, so he knows what? There's going to be a storm. There's going to be a storm, and I'm sending these guys right into that. Jesus leads them into the storm. And here's what we find, is that Jesus is with them. So when you think about this, Think about the circumstances in your life. Is there a storm in your life right now? Is there something hard that you've been through the last year? You guys know that there's been some really, really hard things in our life. Tracy with cancer, the loss of one of my best friends, two people that I dearly love pass away within a month of each other. It's been a hard year. 2022 was a hard year. But here's what I know, and I know it's been hard for you guys, and I know there's hard things in your past. I know that we go go around this room, and I know that we could... There's a lot of hard things. I see it on your faces, and I know so many of you guys, and I love you. And here's what I hope you always get from KB, is I don't have all the answers, but here's what I do have. I love you, and I'm praying for you, and God is with you. God purposely sends his disciples into this storm, and sometimes in life, God leads us into a storm. But here's the thing. In the storm, what happens? We see God differently. We see ourselves differently, and we see other things differently that we would never see unless we had those storms. What's going on in your life right now? One, know that God is with you, and two, that God's going to work through you. You remember my verse for you for 2023 last week, Psalm 23? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he doesn't leave you in the valley. He walks through it with you. Second point. Jesus is 100% God, and he was 100% human. This is amazing. In verse 38, what does it say? He's sleeping in the back of the boat. This means that Jesus was fully human. He put on flesh, and he got tired. He got angry. He got sad when his friend died, and he gets tired, just like you and I. So we can relate to that. Isn't that beautiful? The humanity of your Savior is such a beautiful thing is he knows what you're going through, but also he's 100% God. He's the God-man. This is amazing and something that we should never get away from. But here's the thing, is that Jesus to be asleep in the back of the boat, what does he know? Guys, what is, what's Jesus' mission in life? To seek and save those that are lost, and how's he going to do it? To the cross. So what does Jesus know? Can he trust the Father? What's the will of God? To go to the cross and to die for me and you. So is Jesus going to die in the back of this boat in this storm? No. He trusts God in the middle of that. He takes his disciples all so they could get to the last question of this text. Who is this man? 100% God, 100% man. That's beautiful. Here's the third thing. Panic is a common human emotion, but Jesus is faithful. 
Guys, remember that these disciples have been with Jesus. They've watched him heal. Some of these guys were just with him at the house, and they saw this guy who was paralyzed on that mat get up and run out of that house. I hope he did the running man, because I would do the running man. I would dance, right? My wife knows I would dance, and she would say, no, please don't dance, KB. All right? I've told you guys that story, right? That's how she found me years ago on the dance floor in Greensboro. She said, I'm going to marry that guy. Ask her. She's right back there. She'll tell you. Panic is a common human emotion, but Jesus is faithful. Guys, they've been with Jesus, and what happens? They get in the middle of the storm. Come on, pay attention. Come on, stay with me, guys. Your small group's going to be amazing tonight because this question's going to lead to something in a minute that you have to answer, and I do too, and you're going to talk about it in small group. These guys have been with Jesus, but what's the human emotion? Is I'm not going to get through this. Have you been through something hard? And even when you look in the rearview mirror and see God's faithfulness in your life, we still what? We still worry and we still panic. These guys are experienced fishermen and this storm is rattling this boat. And what do they say? They go wake him up. Can you imagine picking straws on that one? All right, I don't want to go wake him up. You go wake him up. He's the only one that can do anything about this. Who's going to go wake him up? All right, I'll go do it. But when I wake him up, I'm going to tell him that you guys put me up to this. They go, wake up Jesus. And what does he do? Does he rebuke them first? No, what does he do? He calms the storm. Do you see this panic leads to he's still faithful? He knows that we're going to panic. He knows that we're going to worry. But the more storms and kind of hard things we go through in life experiences and you trust God and you trust God and you don't understand and you trust God is you know that on the other side of the storm, he's with you and that you're changed from the inside out. So many storms in my life, guys, where I think about it, that if I didn't go through it, I would never have gotten closer to God. Fourth point, write this down. Jesus has authority over nature. Do you not see this so clear? Guys, when Jesus spoke to the storm, what happened? It didn't gradually. You guys been in a storm? Have you guys been in a really, really bad thunderstorm? Or a really, really bad? When I was younger in Florida, I remember on my way home from school, I got caught in the, like the, the first little burst from a hurricane. I rode my bike to school, y'all. Any of you guys do that? You should ride your bike to school. It was amazing, Okay. But I rode my bike to school, and there's no cell phone, so mom's not calling and going, Kevin, Kevin can't ride his bike home. I got to go pick him up. You just ride your bike home, and this storm came, and I literally went to this park, and I got in the bathroom. I remember my parents had told me, if there's a storm, get inside someplace, get down on the ground. And I did that, and my dad came and found me in the bathroom. He knew that I would go to the park. But when you pray for a storm to go away, it might go away. But here's the thing. When Jesus says, peace be still, what happened? Glass. No gradual, all these different things. And here's the thing, guys. It shows his deity. He's God. He spoke to the storm, and it went away just like that. Can you imagine if you were there? If you were one of the disciples, what would you have done? You've been in a storm before, and they don't go away that quickly. Here's one of the things I learned this week as I was studying. Is sometimes Jesus says to the storm, peace be still. And sometimes he says to you and me, peace be still. I'm not going to take the storm away, but I'm going to give you peace in your heart. You be still. But sometimes he completely stops the storm. Write this down. Storms come for the benefit of our faith. Storms come for the benefit of our faith. What does Jesus want on the other side for these disciples? 
you have to exercise your faith in order for it to grow. They come to benefit our faith. Your faith grows in the storm. And the last thing, write this down. The most important question in life is this. Who is Jesus? The disciples asked it, who is this man? Who is this man? Who is Jesus? Guys, you and I must answer this tonight. You must answer it every single day. The disciples had to. They walked away completely changed. Can you see the people at the house with the paralyzed man saying in their mind, who is this that just healed that man? He picked up his mat and he walked and he forgave his sins. Guys, in our society, we kind of get these four things, right? People say he's a fictional character. Some people say he's a historical figure. Some people say Jesus was a religious leader. He was a prophet. And some people say he was just a good moral example. So he's a fictional character. He's somebody that Christians have made up so that people will then join their religion. He's a historical figure. He's no different than Abraham Lincoln. He's no different than anybody who's been a historical figure. He's just a guy who lived. He was a man and then he died. He was a religious leader or a prophet. He had some good things to teach. He was a leader and people followed him. But there were other guys like Gandhi and, and Muhammad and there were other guys like that. Or people say, he's a good moral example for you and I to follow. He's got good teachings and when you follow those teachings... You might feel better about yourself and life might get a little bit better. Guys, but then again, I ask you the question, who is Jesus? Who did he claim to be? He is God in the flesh. He came as a baby. He came for you and me. And what? We're going to celebrate at Easter in April is that the tomb is empty. Guys, if you claim that you're going to come and die for the sins of the world and then you do it and then people see you after the tomb is empty... I'm sorry, sign me up. I'm following that guy the rest of my life until he comes back or I see him again. You and I must answer that question tonight. Who is Jesus? How do you see Jesus? Write this down. The way we see Jesus has a huge impact on how we respond to him. How do you see him? Do you really see him as Lord, Savior, and best friend? Do you really see him that way? A guy wrote this, uh, this amazing article years ago, uh, I forget what his name is, that he said he's either, he's either a liar, he's either a lunatic, or he's Lord. If he's a liar, then what? Everything he claimed is a lie, it didn't happen. He's a lunatic, he claimed to be God, and all of this stuff is false. Or, if everything he said came true and he did it, he is Lord and we must bow and get on our face and live in reverence and awe and respect. Can you see the guys in the boat when the, when the water goes glass? What happens? Fear, awe, respect. But then it turns to when they look over and they go, wait, he's with us in the storm? That turns to adoration and awe and love. And you want to lay down your life willingly and walk with him. So who is Jesus? In John chapter 14, there's these amazing verses. Listen to what Jesus says. He's with his disciples. He's been doing some amazing things. And then about in John chapter 12, he starts to kind of point them to the cross and he starts to have these conversations about, hey, guys, I'm going to die for you and it's better that I go because I'm going to go prepare a place for you. He's going to talk about that in a minute. And then he starts talking about how he's going to die and then he's going to come back to life. And these guys, they, they're just going, wait, wait, wait. 
Everything was so good when you were here. Hold on a minute. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, why would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus told them this famous verse. I love this. This is your memory verse for this week. I pray you star it, underline it. You talk about it in a small group tonight. Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Who is Jesus? He just told you in three beautiful truths who he is. Number one, write it down. Jesus is the way. He is the way. When you think about this, you guys have been lost in your car before. It's not fun. It's not fun because you get somewhere and then you're lost and you don't know what to do. Guys, when you have Jesus and he's the way, you're never lost. Proverbs 3 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you, what is it class? Which path to take. Students, do you want to know the way to the most abundant, joyful, off the hook, crazy, joy-filled life there is? You follow Jesus. He's the way. Remember, like we're going to get to this verse in a minute, but like Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus says, I have come that they would have life when you think about this guys do you want life do you want guidance he says don't trust in yourself that leads to just come see me after church and i'll tell you about how it led to ditch after ditch after ditch in kb's life and when i trusted in the lord with all my heart what did he do he led my path in a completely different direction Students, Jesus is the way that you're looking for. He's the way not only to the Father for eternal life, but he's the way right now on this side of heaven for you to live. How do you follow him? How is he the way? You read his word, you get on your knees and pray, you get in the small group, man, you get all around Jesus, all that you can, and you get around people who love Jesus, and he leads you. Does life always be, is it perfect? No. But what? When Jesus is leading, remember the good shepherd analogy from last week? I'm getting behind the good shepherd. He always leads me to green pastures and still waters. And he always leads me to paths of righteousness. Number two, Jesus is the truth. John 8, 31 says this. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Guys, truth is one of those things in our society that's kind of thrown around like it's kind of, it's fading, it's passing, it's kind of transient. What's your truth is not my truth. So you believe in what you want to believe. No, there has to be like a standard. There has to be something. There has to be a plumb line. If you and I were to go out in the hallway, right? And me and Trooper go out in the hallway and we throw the, the cornhole bags as far as we can down the hallway and Trooper and I stand there and we look at it I can go, I threw it longer than you, Troop. And he's going to stand there and go, you're talking about KB. Can't you see that from here that I threw it further? See, that's relative to the way we see. The only way to make it right is if somebody comes up with a tape measure and they measure how far Trooper and I threw the beanbags. You need a measurement. You need a standard of measure. And our truth as a believer is the word of God. And Jesus is the embodiment of truth. If you want to know what God's like, you follow the word. He is the truth. So for Jesus to say this, what is he saying? If you want to know truth, you follow me. 
you follow my teachings. He's never going to lie. And Satan is the father of lies. Here's your last one. Is Jesus is the life. This one's my favorite. John 10.10, I just said it. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Students, look at me. Anybody sign up for that tonight? Is life hard right now? And life's hard in my house too. And life I know is hard as a teenager. You guys are going through so many things. Here's the three questions that you're wrestling with in your teenage years. And it's true for adults too, but it really hits home in your teenage years. Who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? What am I good at? What are my passions? What am I supposed to do? And who are my people? Where do I belong? There's a belonging question. There's an identity question. And there's a purpose question. Jesus says you can have all of these in him. That he's the way, the truth, and the life. And that life, this abundant, joy-filled, off-the-hook, doesn't mean your life is perfect. The disciples are in a boat, and they think they're going to die. But they get out of the boat, and they say, wherever he's going, I'm going too. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. Look on the screen. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. Man, every time I read that this week, that one just pierces to the heart because it says what? We're, 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 when we settle for those things, it's like if I was to offer you guys this candy bar right here. It's a good candy bar. I love Hershey's, right? And, and, and if I offered it to you, you would probably take it. But what if I said, there's something better? What if there's something better than this little Hershey's bar? What if I told you that there was something better, that there was something bigger, that there was something greater, that there was something richer, that this one's going to fill you up even more. And then you'd what? You'd take it and you'd go, wait, KB, is there something better? Yeah, there's something better. I couldn't find it because Christmas is over. I wanted the one that's like this big, right? There's this. What if I offered you this? This is an analogy. Obviously, it comes nowhere near close to your relationship with Jesus. But guys, do you see how we're settling for the snack size when he gives you abundant life and you can have it all the time and it's free? Think about this. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that you have to understand before you go to small group is you can't just know this. It can't just be knowledge. You must respond. This hits you tonight. You read that passage and you go, all right, did that really just happen? Did Jesus just tell those winds and the waves to, to be still? And they did. There's hard things in my life and I know that Jesus can calm the storm in my life and he does. And sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. There have been storms in my life where he didn't calm. Guys, you remember the story where I was there when Ronnie passed away. And the only thing that I could do when they, they were giving him CPR on the side of the road, I couldn't jump in and give him CPR because that's not my job. I'm not certified. I wanted to. They would have just held me back. So what did I do? I prayed. The only thing I knew how to do, I hit my knees and I prayed for my brother and I cried out, God, please save him. Please, Lord, please bring him back. And in his sovereignty, God chose not to. I miss my friend. 
But here's the thing, just like I told you a few weeks ago, is no one talked about heaven more than Ronnie Bullens. So in a way, when I said save Ronnie, was my prayer answered? Yes. Do I miss my friend and I want him back and I want to hug him? I want to go outside to my office and go meet with him every single day and I can't. But I can in prayer. And I can't wait to see him again. And no one talked about heaven more than Ronnie. And no one counseled people more through storms than Ronnie Bullen. And what would he tell you guys tonight? Teenager, if you're going through a storm, you can trust God. But you must come down to the most ultimate question in your life is who is Jesus? If he's the way, the truth, and the life, will you confess him as Lord and Savior tonight? How do you do that? Romans tells you it's on the screen, not on your outline. Paul says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I'm going to pray in a minute, and I pray that this room lights up with people that are saved. I've been running. I'm not living the way, the truth, and the life. And it's okay if you don't have that figured out tonight. Just stop me and ask me questions and let's engage in a conversation. Let's go get coffee and let's go get lunch. Whatever it is, just say, KB, I don't understand. Will you just help me? Yes. But man, I pray that you have a collision with Jesus tonight and you go, Jesus is not my way right now. He's not my truth. I'm not living by his truth. And he's not my life. And I want my life to change. It changes right here, right now. Father, we love you. God, thank you for your word. It's so beautiful. God, thank you for our students. God, thank you for this truth that in the midst of this storm, you rebuked the storm and it listened to you and it obeyed. And then you turned to the disciples and you said, why? Why don't you have faith, guys? Please have faith in me. Please love me. Please trust me. Please walk with me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way back to the Father, but I'm the way now. Follow me, love me. God, I pray if there's one, five, ten in here that don't know you as Savior and they're wrestling with that question, is Jesus my Lord? To, to make someone your Lord means you give them full control of your life and he says in John 10 that he will give me a rich, satisfying, abundant life. Sign me up for that. I repent of my sins. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I believe that you came and died for me and I confess you as Lord and I commit my life to you. Father, if there's anyone in here tonight, would you draw them to yourself? You changed a prodigal like me in my early 20s. And all I want now for the rest of my days is for every teenager in my path to have a collision with Jesus and never be the same. Father, this is a free gift that you offer and the students have to realize they don't have to do anything. They just have to believe, receive, and then turn in faith and live for you. God, thank you for a room full of teenagers on a cold Wednesday night. There's a lot of other places they could be. But you called them here, and I pray you spoke individually to each heart. God, thank you for each adult volunteer that radically loves teenagers. And week after week, they just engage in conversations, and they love teens because they had a collision with your grace and with your love and with your forgiveness in their life, and they were never the same. Father, would you go before us now in conversations in small group. And if there's anybody maybe doubting or just wants to talk or just wrestle a little bit more, I pray they just pull a leader aside or pull me aside. There's no judgment and there's no condemnation. God is big enough. You're big enough, God, for our questions. But we'll just sit down and open the scriptures and just say, let's just talk because you're a kind, compassionate, and gracious father. 
Father, if there's anybody in here tonight that there's been some hard storms, and I know looking around the room that there have been. And Father, I'm so sorry. Father, would you remind them that in those storms of life, they never walked alone, that you're good, that you love them, that you're with them, and that they can trust you until they see their loved one again or whatever they're struggling with right now. But thank you for the cross. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.